following is a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about them, Cowboys? Yeah! Go Cowboys! This, this is Mick Shots, streaming live on DallasCowboys.com and the official Dallas Cowboys app. Now, here are Bill Jones, Savannah Hugh Moeller, Everson Walls, and Mickey Spagnola. High noon on a Tuesday here inside the SWBC podcast studio at the Star in Frisco where it is. Well, it's in here it's not 18 degrees, but outside it is, and it sure feels like it. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, things are chilly in Cowboys Nation, too. Bill Jones, Savannah Hugh Moeller, Mickey Spagnola, and Everson Walls is not here today. He's got other commitments. He's decided... He didn't want to talk about things today. I think hey, chicken. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> so here we are. I don't know if this was indicative of everything, but just as soon as you started the show up on the NFL Network was the divisional round schedule of games. It's like, okay, throw it right in our face. Yeah, there you go. Exactly. All right, so uh, not so much to talk about since we weren't uh, together. I know, Mickey, you did a joint podcast yesterday. I tuned in for some of that yesterday. And so you've got uh, things about the game that you've gotten off your chest. Uh, but uh, new audience here for Mix Shots, fire away. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> Open-ended, right? So um, as I was telling Savannah before we started that, you know, it's one thing to – uh, lose a playoff game, and then it's another thing to get beat as bad as they did. Uh, almost not competitive. I mean, at 27 to nothing, did you have any hopes that uh, they were going to recover? It was somewhat reminded me of that 94 uh, NFC uh Play a NFC title game against San Francisco, when but that was twenty-one to nothing. With still fifty-five minutes left yes, to play of the game. I know that's yeah. what I said. I said, well, you know, they almost came back from that, but they still had three and a half quarters to uh, to play. They were down twenty-one nothing, but when it got to twenty-seven nothing, it was like, are you kidding me? This is not really happening. That was also a team that had already won two straight Super Bowls. Yes, yeah, I know, uh, and. Uh, yeah, it was, uh, you know, and I know what the feeling is out there. You know, everybody should get fired. Um, but as I try to caution everyone that uh, firing the head coach means you fired the offensive coordinator. And uh, so whoever the new head coach would be better have an offensive coordinator if he's not the offensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's not as easy as just taking off the head because there's too many other body parts that follow along with making changes. And uh, and I'm not trying to, you know, overly defend Mike McCarthy. Uh, but if if you do something, then are you guaranteeing me that they're going to win 12 games next year? And you're guaranteeing me that that change is going to win the playoff game. So you got to be careful. Uh, I think normally Jerry uh, t- tries to take the emotion out of it and kind of just calm down and then look at things pragmatically uh, before 
you know, making a move or not making a move. Right. So I think that's kind of where we're at. But I just thought the that that might be the most unexpected, devastating loss that I've seen in my time covering Cowboy playoff games. And I counted them up before uh, before the game. Derek had asked me, so how many playoff games have you covered? Mm-hmm. And so I start cutting them up, and I said, well, this sounds like it's 32. I said, do I get to count the two I watched on TV for the NFL championship with the Cowboys and the Packers? <laughs> he goes, no, you had to be there. I said, okay. <laughs> so this 32. Was, this was the most, I think, I mean, they've gotten beat bad before, right? But it was it was almost somewhat expected. A road game at Detroit in the 91 season when they got wiped out. Uh, they got wiped out by Minnesota that one year. It was 99, I believe. Or 09. Or 09, yes, sorry. Um, but I think it was 99, too, by the way. Oh, there you go. Because <laughs> it, was, it was Terrell Owens. No, not Terrell Owens. It was uh, Randy Moss, right? Mm. He was all pissed off that the Cowboys didn't draft him. The minute the uh, 09 game was 34 to three at Minnesota. Right, and then and then 99 would have been at Minnesota also because they were a wild card team, as I remember. But that team didn't have the same hopes this team no, had this year. No, definitely not. You're right. And it was 27 to 10. And it was only a eight and 18, right? Yeah. And then in 09 they got wiped out again by Minnesota. Yeah. So. Yeah, I, I, I just I, – this was not expected. This was not, oh, we didn't get one more play or, oh, it was a catch, no catch, uh, or Aaron Rodgers throwing basically a Hail Mary to uh, set up the winning field goal. This was just a butt whipping. So, Savannah, <laughs> after how, having how was, how said was your that, Sunday? Uh, I had to let Mickey do his, his uh, rant first and then, you know, see where we're at. But, I mean, I also knew it was the, the turning point in that second quarter. I was actually standing um, in the end zone tunnel right when Dak had thrown the interception and they ran it back in at Green Bay. And the entire... Green Bay defense is just running right at you, right at me, right at the cameras, everything. And just the fans around me, because there were like one of the field suites and then people behind me, the amount of just screams and all the things. I just was shocked in that moment. And that's when I realized I don't think we're coming back. It was like watching a horror movie. Correct. Uh-huh. A slow, really a slow car crash. <laughs> and it got very fast right there, and then all of a sudden, uh oh, okay. Um, here we go. So here we are, and uh, there's uh, are so many questions to be answered, and uh, you have to let the let time pass, and we're people upstairs figure things out. Yeah, um, I ran into Stephen yesterday. And uh, I, uh, I can't remember how it happened. And he, something about how's it going? And he goes, hanging, hanging tight, just like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, which was not the answer, the question to ask, right? I learned that from Bill Parcells after a loss. <laughs> we saw him the next day. How's it? 
he said, hi. I said, hi, how's it going? He goes, not real well. Just like that. <laughs> At least he was honest. <laughs> so now I've learned to just say hi to him and not ask how it's going out of just what you normally say, mm -hmm. right? Um, but, yeah. Um, so to me, um, you know, there's also, there's always personnel questions. But then there's also, you know, why in the world did you decide to play zone on defense in the secondary? And it seemed like they did it more than normal from what I can tell. And my only answer to that is they were trying to hide Stefan Gilmore's injury, uh, that they didn't want him having to play man the whole game um, and not bench him and put Sean Wright out there to play cornerback. Uh, but it looked like they hadn't played much zone all year. I've never seen so wide open receivers in my entire life. Like there was just missed coverages. And the worst was uh, the touchdown pass to Musgrave uh, when he stood there by himself, it seeming like forever, waiting mm -hmm. for the pass to get there with his back to the end zone, standing still. To like catch he's, the like ball. he's fielding a punt. Right, yes. <laughs> and, and, and all I could think of, he's got to be thinking, oh, my God, don't drop this. And, it, and it's just a mental bust on that play. Right. You know, defensively. Yeah, it wasn't like they they uh, beat somebody. Right. Or a communication mix-up. Yeah. You know. And, and, and it was like, and but how many of those were there? And so I went back and I got the big play type things. And... So they give you the top 10. Nine of them were 15 yards or more. They had a 20, a 22, a 26, a 27, a 39, and a 46. I believe it. You saw it, right? <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and it was just so uncommon for that defense to give up that many big plays. Um, and so, you know, hand it to Green Bay. I thought they had a really good plan, and I thought they had a really good plan defensively that I think we've seen before from other teams that have beaten the Cowboys, uh, that uh, they're able to stop the run with a normal front, mm -hmm. and they decided that they were going to put undue pressure on Dak Prescott. Uh, and they end up sacking him four times. Uh, they hit him nine times. Uh he was forced to run with the ball six times. A couple of them were good runs, but that wasn't the design play. It was because of the pressure. Mm -hmm. And he had six more passes defense, meaning he's trying to fit the ball into tight situations, and the passes were getting broken up. So those two things, I think, really uh, held this offense down to 16 points until – they decided that, okay, we're not giving up any big plays. You can gain all the yards you want, score all the touchdowns you want. We still got 48 points. Right. Well, the most disappointing thing for me was the play of the defense. And uh, and you could see it coming in the last month of the season. And I, I spent a good part of yesterday morning just trying to figure out the linebacker situation—it's been—it's bugged me the whole second half of the season right. when Leighton Vander Esch wasn't replaced. And I understand that you have difficulties during the middle of the season finding players to replace other players, but those are contingency plans that you have to have in place 
earlier in the season too, or was it that that, that Dan Quinn said, "Hey, I can win with this," mm-hmm. you know? And it was it's successful in games where you get ahead. It's not successful in games when you get behind and teams can just just run on you. But I mean, you go back and look at the linebacking depth chart on this team, and I don't look at Marquise Bell as being a linebacker. Bless his heart, I think he played a gr- had a great season mm-hmm. moving from safety, playing linebacker for the first time in his life. And and, sub-pack, and then the idea was, after Overshone went down with the injury in the preseason, that, okay, he's in sub-packages. He's basically replacing Overshone, similar-sized player. Overshone's 220 pounds. Bell's listed at 210 on the roster. Uh, but, okay, you get into a situation now late in the year uh, against Buffalo and the game's on the line against uh, Miami and uh, Detroit. And, you know, and he was he was nicked up in one game where they were playing J. Ron Curse at linebacker alongside Damone Clark. But you basically only had one linebacker uh, who got any defensive snaps in Damone Clark in the right. last half of the season. And, you know, the Packers, when they prepare to, to – face, and that's why they take the football to start the game. They, want, they, they knew the key to this game is get ahead. Get ahead and stay – and then you stay ahead. Exactly. And, um, and so that, it's a defense that is small – uh, and aggressive, and when things are going well, and you got the lead in the game, it um, it can come up with picks. It can come up mm-hmm. with you know um, turnovers. And but when you get behind, uh, and a team can just pin its ears back and run at you uh, with a running back like Aaron Jones, uh, slasher who. Um, you know they do a great job up front as far as uh, him being able to have holes to run through, and you've got. I mean, it's you look at the goal line situation. You know, first and goal at the one, and the Cowboys have four. They had Parsons at left defensive end, two defensive tackles, Lawrence at right defensive end, and Damone Clark on the right side. And your middle linebacker is 14, Marquise Bell. You've got six DBs on the field on first and goal at the one yard line. And that's been going on here for the whole last month of the season. Right. And well, okay. But, and so you don't have the personnel to stop the run, in my opinion. And probably the same when they ran it in from three yards out or nine yards or out. Or in the third mm-hmm. quarter where you need to stop them, but they're going to run the football. And uh, when you have, you know, six DBs on the field, uh, and then it causes problems. Uh, when you're converting safeties down into the box, um, they haven't played linebacker for a living and reading and reacting and so forth. Now, I don't know, you know, I, I got as much knowledge about football in my pinky finger as the guys down the hallway do. And so there's a reason why they were doing it, but it certainly didn't work in this game. And they they tried, uh, and I thought somewhat successfully, that putting Parsons at linebacker mm-hmm. and having at a times. bigger front at times, but not often enough, I didn't think. Uh, and, you know, uh, let uh, him run to the ball. Don't just, let him get overwhelmed at the line of scrimmage. Well, I think most of these issues started being apparent in that Bills game. That's when you really saw how they played and how the run defense was. And, I think we can say from the Bills and then you go to Miami and then from there you beat the Washington Commanders who, you know, that was almost a given that, you, that you're that you going to win that game. However, 
I think we almost were all fooling ourselves a little bit going into this Green Bay game. I think what what you're looking at is you go back into October, and I agree wholeheartedly with everything you're saying. But at that point in the season, there are no linebackers to go find. Yeah, you know, to go get. And I mean, they, they tried, and, and they brought Rashawn Evans in uh, earlier. Didn't work. They brought Shaq Leonard in, mm-hmm. and he wound up going with Philadelphia instead. And so those were the two at midseason that were available. Uh, but and so th- to uh, Dan Quinn's credit and the defensive coach's credit, they figured out a way to make it work and get on a roll towards the you know winning seven of their last nine games after Leighton Vander Esch goes down with the injury. But at some point, it was going to catch up with them. So tell me if you sense a pattern here. They lost to Arizona, 222 yards rushing. They lost to San Francisco. 170 yards mm-hmm. rushing. They lost to Philadelphia 109, which was they were in the game. Uh, they lose to Buffalo 266 yards rushing. They lose to Miami 125, no, 91 yards rushing. And then they lose this playoff game 143 yards rushing. So those are your six losses, five of them for at least 109 yards. So, uh, and that's been their 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 problem in the last couple playoff games too. Given last three playoff games, if you look at it, when they gave up 273 the 2018 season to the Rams. Oh, okay. You're, so you're going back to 2018. Yeah. You're talking about the three, three playoff lo- losses. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. I mean, against San Francisco last year in the playoff, it was a tight game, and they actually uh, contained the run game. You're right. Uh, the year before decently. they did. The year before they didn't. And in fact, in fact, let's take a break and we'll come back. And I'll uh, I spent yesterday morning looking back at last year in the playoffs mm-hmm. versus mm-hmm. this year in the playoffs at the linebacker position and I'll be able to underscore more what I'm talking about when we come back here on Mix Shots in a moment. I'm Dak Prescott, quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys. And they snap it to Prescott who looks right, it's not there. He escapes left, he'll run for a first down. Just like football, when it comes to crypto, it's important to have a team you can trust. With blockchain.com, I know I'm in good hands. Since 2011, they've been trusted by millions around the world to buy, sell, and trade cryptocurrency. Prescott's going to run this himself. Run it up the middle, and he scores. Whether you're new to crypto or an active trader, they've got you covered. What are you waiting for? Get started at blockchain.com. We know that juicy, cheesy, grilled-to-perfection burger sounds amazing, but it does sound like something is missing. Pepsi, baby! The yin to this burger's yang. Burgers and Pepsi go together like... Well, like burgers and Pepsi. This perfect blending of flavors makes every bite of lettuce, every sesame seed on the bun, and every sip of that crisp, refreshing, ice-cold cola. A journey to Foodopia. Burgers. Better with Pepsi. That's what I like. The Medal of Honor is our country's highest military award for valor in combat. More than 40 million individuals have served in the armed forces since the Civil War. Fewer than 4,000 have received the Medal of Honor. The National Medal of Honor Museum will be a place to preserve these legacies and inspire America. It's being built right next door to the Dallas Cowboys in Texas. Help us honor our country's greatest heroes. Learn more and get involved at mohmuseum.org. Did you know that responding to one spam call can lead to more? Or that the IRS would never ask for your social security number on the phone? 
beat scammers at their own game by subscribing to AARP Fraud Watch Network alerts and texts. At aarp.org slash beatscammerstx, you can sign up to receive information that helps you recognize and avoid the latest scams. That's aarp.org slash beatscammerstx. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Back, back to mixed shots. All right, we continue with mixed shots on a Tuesday as we wrap up what happened on Sunday. We're going to look ahead. to the offseason as well. Wrap up my thought on uh, we were talking about the linebacker position and I mentioned uh, last year in the playoffs let's all recall that your linebackers in the playoff games last year against Tampa Bay and San Francisco you had 6'4", 256 pound Leighton Vander Esch and 6'5", 257 pound Anthony Barr at linebacker. This year you have 6'3", 240-pound Damone Clark and 6'3", 210-pound Marquise Bell at linebacker. Um, so there's a, the marked difference in so the size of uh, the guys that you're putting out there uh, trying to defend the run. And credit Clark and Bell doing the best they can, but um, you know I just think that they were overmatched in, in certain, certain situations. Mm-hmm. Aaron Jones averaged 5.6 yards a carry. Three rushing touchdowns, which tied the Packers' playoff single-game record. He's now got seven playoff touchdowns rushing, most in Packer history. Wow. Which which means more than Jim Taylor and Paul Horning, (laughs) (laughs) who are both in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, by the way. Uh, the other thing about uh, Van Der Esch and Barr last year, they got all the defensive snaps in the playoff games last year. Clark was strictly a special teams player in the playoffs last year. So this was his first time to play defensive snaps in a postseason game. See, and the reason we bring this up is it, it doesn't look like it was that significant, but it was so efficient that – uh, it was a hidden factor in the game. You know, mm-hmm. I talked about all the big plays, right? And it was like, well, the pass defense sucked. Well, but they were running the ball effectively to keep their attention. And, and, right. And, and they did not get pressure. Now, there was one or two plays where Parsons got there a half step late uh, to hit love, but he didn't get sacked. He didn't get sacked, and all of a sudden you start getting so run conscious, you're a half step slow trying to get to the quarterback. And he only got hit like, what was it, four times maybe? Um, and, and he never really had to – I don't think he ever ran the ball. Or maybe one time because he – Jordan Love. He, kneel, he kneeled down for a loss of one, or maybe he tried to run at that time. Mm-hmm. Um but defensively, um, the Cowboys 
had three quarterback hits, no sacks. So that was a continuation of what we saw down the stretch other than the four sacks I believe they had against Washington. Mm -hmm. They had no more than one sack the previous five games, I want to say. And I can tell you that for sure. It was one against Seattle, one against Philadelphia, one against Buffalo, one against Miami, one against Detroit. And they got none in this game. Right. So their inability to put pressure on the opposing quarterback also showed up. You got to give credit to Green Bay's O line. I mean, they really did block for Jordan Love, and they gave also the ability for him to to pass in those moments when they weren't running the ball, and it worked for them. And you know what? And he was as good as advertised. Yep. We yep. talked about it, right? Throwing off his back foot, reading the field. Uh, but then again, when you got guys that wide open, but he dropping the ball in the bucket, uh, he was awfully, awfully good. And uh, the other thing is, it it really shows, and, and I think this is can be an encouraging thing to Cowboys fans when you see what the Packers are able to do and the Rams were able to do as far as turning their roster over and using these young players. Uh, draft picks. I mean, the Packers had 13 draft picks this year, and nine of them are playing primary roles as first-year players mm -hmm. in this league. The Rams had 14 draft picks this year, and they make the playoffs. A lot of those young players, including Puka Nakua, a fifth-round draft pick, uh, second-round offensive guard Steve Avila at a TCU is one of the uh, best young offensive linemen in the league. Uh, and when you look ahead now with this Cowboys roster – and where things are right now, as, you know, with guys long in the tooth at certain positions, with other guys that are younger guys who are now free agents and what they're going to have to do in the offseason, you can – you know, the interesting thing about the draft right now is coming out of the COVID year, and I think one of the reasons that so many – and we saw it in last night's game where Tampa Bay, uh, uh, their Trey Palmer, their uh, rookie sixth-round draft pick, uh, has a long touchdown catch in that game. Guy got 4-3 speed out of Nebraska, and he's playing mm -hmm. a primary role for Tampa Bay right now. I think what's happened coming out of the COVID years is you got older players coming into the draft. They had to sit out the one year, mm -hmm. and they got the extra year of eligibility as well. And so there are more players that are ready to play coming into the league now during this two- or three-year window coming out of COVID than there were uh, prior to 2020. And I think the – I don't know if the Packers or the Rams or other teams – we're looking at that when, you know, but clearly coming into this draft, there were so many more mm -hmm. draft prospects than in normal years. And I think it, it'll probably be more of the same this year as we look forward to the draft. There are opportunities to get good young players who can replace players on your roster mm -hmm. that are at uh, smaller salaries. And and depth in the draft. That's right. What Bill's talking about, like third, fourth rounds that not everybody can be drafted in the first or second round that we're prepared to play. The other part of it is coming out of COVID, the new roster rules where, I mean, you I haven't counted up, but you can go to the Cowboys roster, the Green Bay roster, the Pittsburgh roster, pick a team, any team, and there are probably 75 players 
who were active for a game, uh, 75 different players, when you consider the elevations from the practice squad, mm-hmm. guys getting hurt and so forth. So you take 90 players uh, to training camp, and uh, you might have 80 of those 90 players who actually play in a regular season game for you. And uh, it's been a really good thing that the NFL has done in changing these what were archaic rules in the past where you get you get injured and you're out for the year. You get placed on injured reserve. Now you right. can come back in four weeks and uh, or eight weeks, whatever the injury requires, and um, – and so you have to have more depth on your roster. And I think that's another reason why teams, why things are so much different from the first half of the season to the second half of the season for a lot of these teams now. Why is Philadelphia so much worse now than what they were the first half of the season? Well, they suffered a lot of injuries. And, yeah, they went out and got a couple of veteran guys, but maybe they didn't do such a good job on the back end of their roster as far as having guys that can step in and play. Right. Yeah. So, um there's a lot that uh, goes into this that we were you know, trying. I was just kind of looking at the guys that actually uh, played in games, and um, it would take me a while to count it right. up. But I think right. you got mm-hmm. a pretty good point uh, on that. So uh, I think I think that, uh, you know, the frustrating part for the fans is – they, they've seen this too many times, right? And like I said, going into this, this team had no responsibility for what happened the other 20-some years in the playoffs, right? Um, but it's the continued frustration, I think, that, is, that has happened. You know, I'm sure everybody's yelling, They well, if we had a general manager, this wouldn't have happened. Well... Philadelphia had the general manager, mm-hmm. and it happened to them. Um, it, and I know Jerry uh, does a good job of taking uh, the brunt of the criticism, but you know we know that between Will McClay and Stephen Jones, that they basically are the day-to-day general managers. You know Jerry gets the last say, of course. Uh, but those are the guys that are doing the work, and they've been heralded, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, everybody's, you know, heck, just look at what the stories were going into the game, how good Mike McCarthy and Dak Prescott mm-hmm. meshed. Oh, it's a different deal. And then you lose one, and it's like, well, what the hell? Everyone flips. Yeah. Um, yeah. And including, you know, many members in the media, too. You know, everything was great, and then you lose, and it's like, well, what are they doing? I just think it was shocking. Everyone and this fan base especially had such high hopes this season. I mean, you have these seasons going back to, you know, with Mike McCarthy that are 12-5, and and things look like they're progressing. Dak Prescott's having one of the best seasons of his careers, and— I think there was so much hope going into this, especially sitting at the second seed. You're on an eight-game you know, win streak just this season at AT&T Stadium. You had the advantages, and then to just get blown out like that just in the first half was very shocking to the fan base, and I think that's why there's so much flip to mm-hmm. what everyone is saying. And I think there was also this natural 
reaction that, well, they hadn't lost a game at home in the last 16, and they went 8-0 this year. Mm -hmm. But as I continue to say, sometimes it matters who you play Exactly. With. That's what we've been saying all season. I and mean, if they played uh, San Francisco and Buffalo – at home rather than on the road. They still would have got beat. <laughs> That's right. Right? It would have. I mean, if you think about it, the best teams they played at home, Seattle, I don't know if you want to throw them in there. Um, Philadelphia, and we well, saw Seattle what happened Seattle did not make the them. playoffs. Philadelphia, you know, that went was, downhill. Yeah, the start of their downfall. Mm -hmm. uh, Detroit, they got by by one point, mm -hmm. and when they played the Rams, the Rams weren't playing that way. Uh, and then the other games that they won at home, the Jets, New England, the Rams, the Giants, Washington, Seattle, Philadelphia, and then Detroit. So this was technically probably the best team they played at home at this time of the season. It's either them or Detroit. Yeah. So, it, and they may be playing each other in the NFC Championship game next week. <laughs> you know, go figure. And, and, and I mean, we'll see if can Green Bay go to San Francisco and win. Yeah, yeah I mean, they, and, and 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 there was. I this, wouldn't put anything past them. This whole narrative about you know well, why are you so good at home? Well, sometimes it's who you play. At least for this year, um, you know, you didn't play Miami and Buffalo at home. You didn't play. Uh, the San Francisco at home. Um, so what was the the Cowboys' best home win? You just listed them. Okay, the Jets 30 to 10, New England 38 to 3. Then it was the Rams 43 to 20, and then the Giants uh, what was that score? 49-17, and then Washington was 45 to 10, Seattle was 41-35, Philadelphia 33-13, and then Detroit 20 to 19. Now you look back, which was the best game they played? Probably the Philadelphia game, but that wasn't the best. But team. now I'm thinking about who they're playing. Yeah, I think the uh, best yeah. game they played was Detroit. Detroit, right? twenty to nineteen, and they barely because got of by. the opponent. Yeah, and yeah. I almost pinpoint the Seattle game because I think that was one of the biggest games where they were down and they were proving their ability to be able to come back and win a game. And then Seattle went on and had a great rest of their season, but I think those games after that it wasn't until we played Detroit that that we actually won against a very good winning team. And I felt like that game they played above their heads as far as stopping the run. <laughs> and that remember the, the and there was a lot of uh, run blitzes and things like that they against that, uh, uh, Detroit tackles for loss. Yeah, against Detroit. 7 tackles for loss in that game and a lot of it was you know, uh, Demarcus Lawrence shooting a gap and, and tackling somebody in the backfield or whatever, you know. Mm -hmm. and, and and having said that, they still ran for 125 yards. Yeah. But you're right, they they made plays. Mm -hmm. This game, they didn't make plays, and I got a couple I'd like to talk about, but we're All right, up, up next, it. a couple more Mickey would like to talk about as Mick Shots continues. The Medal of Honor is our country's highest military award for valor in combat. More than 40 million individuals have served in the armed forces since the Civil War. Fewer than 4,000 have received the Medal of Honor. The National Medal of Honor Museum will be a place to preserve these legacies and inspire America. 
It's being built right next door to the Dallas Cowboys in Texas. Help us honor our country's greatest heroes. Learn more and get involved at mohmuseum.org. Cowboys football and Miller Lite. What a pairing. Can cracks a kickoff. Tailgates going way past postgame. Sunday night overtimes followed by Monday morning swagger. Brisket in the smoker. Miller Lite in the cooler. America's team playing America's greatest sport. Miller Lite, the only beer of the Dallas Cowboys. Dallas Cowboys football tastes like Miller time. Celebrate responsibly. 2023 Miller Brewing Company, Fort Worth, Texas. Did you know that responding to one spam call can lead to more? Or that the IRS would never ask for your social security number on the phone? Beat scammers at their own game by subscribing to AARP Fraud Watch Network alerts and texts. At aarp.org slash beatscammerstx, you can sign up to receive information that helps you recognize and avoid the latest scams. That's aarp.org slash beatscammerstx. You know that sound anywhere. It's the crisp crunch of that first nacho chip. With its perfect cheese to sour cream ratio sitting atop a layer of delicious beans, it's a sip away from perfection. That's what we're looking for. Add a delicious, refreshing Pepsi and we've achieved absolute nacho nirvana. Because while you can pile those nachos high with every spicy, cheesy, savory topping, there's no topping a cool Pepsi finish. Nachos, better with Pepsi. That's what I like. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Back back to mixed shots. And mixed shots continues. We've got about eight minutes left here. And... um, then we are going to be off from mix shots the rest of this week, and we uh, do it on a weekly basis starting next week. How about this? You see that note up there? What is that note up there that you watch the NFL Network? Jordan Love, first player since 1950 with a 150-plus passer rating in road playoff game, 157.2. And at one point, it was perfect. perfect. And then he threw that last pass. On the, he had an incompletion. <laughs> and that incompletion dropped it a whole point. It was 158.3. Which is Incredible. a perfect rating. Incredible. Jordan Love's going to be in the Packer Hall of Fame. <laughs> yeah. Without a doubt. <laughs> if he keeps playing that way, right? Um, okay. So, and, and there was just a couple plays that uh, stood out to me. I didn't get a chance on that first series to go back and look at the uh, illegal contact on Bland. It was the second play of the game when they had uh, minus three, Mm -hmm. Uh, how egregious it was. Uh, But the one that stuck out to me uh, was the non-interference call uh, on Jair Alexander Alexander on the interception. Yeah. And, you know, and they kept saying on television – well, he's got the right to go get the ball, and he does. But to earn that right to go get the ball, he yanked Cooks from behind. Uh, and it should have been either a holding or a legal contact, one of the two. 
uh, and they just they just ignored it, and and it was significant, um, giving them the ball. What was it, fourteen nothing, and they got the ball at the nineteen yard line, mm-hmm. uh, and then they go in and score. Uh, that that was that was that was really big. Um, the other one, I guess it was inconsequential. Uh, the offensive pass interference on Tolbert on the two-point conversion. He, he, all he did was run his route, and he he now, he squeezed right behind between two guys. He, he didn't block anybody. He didn't touch anybody, and they threw the flag on that. Uh, it's just these mixed crews. I just don't like it. I do not like it because I think everybody's trying to show that how much they know by throwing flags. Well, how about Micah Parsons finally drawing a holding call? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Two of them, maybe. Not once, but twice. Twice. Well, when you get tackled from behind <laughs> uh-huh. and the guy's riding piggyback on you, it's kind of hard to ignore. Yeah. Well, it was it was time that was, you know, I love his broken. Take, his late <laughs> his take on it that the officials tell him, well, you were so far out of the play, you couldn't make that play. And his response is, how do they know I can't? I can uh-huh. make plays that normal people can't make. Don't tell me <laughs> right. what I can't make. Right. Uh, so anyway, I was going to throw that out there. Um, so what do you think about this uh, uh, off season coming up now? Well, my count, they got 16 unrestricted free agents, mm-hmm. including the deep snapper, who was pretty darn good. Um, Our star of the game? Yeah. <laughs> All his snaps have been perfect this year, uh, which is rather remarkable that they were able to pick him up off the free agent uh, wire, uh, or sign him, I should say. Um, yeah, it's got a lot of work to do. And one of the things... We've already discussed linebacker, right? Um, you got to figure out running back, and you got to figure out cornerback, and you got to figure out offensive line. And mm-hmm. offensive line is who's going. Mr. Play. Newton pointed out yesterday very. What uh, I didn't, I missed that. Well, he was he talking say? about don't be afraid to use the twenty fourth pick in the draft on an offensive lineman. Well, and uh, we don't know yet. I mean, there's a couple of them that are long in the tooth. Yes. Tyron and Zach. Right. And you better be prepared, right? Mm-hmm. Not just assume you got a game or two out of TJ Bass. Right. Even if you have mm-hmm. them under contract, even if they are playing, right. it's you have to be prepared in case of injury. Right. Uh, when you're – Tyron is uh, 33 and Zach is also 33. Right. So – Zach actually a few a couple of weeks older than Tyron. Believe it or not. Mm-hmm. Even though <laughs> he was drafted three years later. <laughs> it's just amazing. It tells how, you how young. 20-year-old Tyron. Uh, yeah. Uh, Savannah Tyron did not turn 21 until December 12th of his rookie season. That's how young he was when he came into the league in 2011. So, and, and, Nate, and his contract is up. Yeah. And Nate was right yesterday. They got to decide is Tyler Smith your guard or is the the tackle? Is the, he the inherited tackle at on the left side? And then just wherever you do, leave him there. Don't keep rotating or shuffling. Uh, and if that's the case, then who's your guard? And then Tyler Biotis is also a free agent. Right, exactly. There's uh, a lot of changes. 
to be made in this offseason for sure and a lot of rebuilding in those structures for a lot of position groups. And I saw saw Connor McGovern pretty prominent last night for Buffalo. Uh, He kind of got in a little scrum on the sideline there. But, you know, he's starting, (laughs) playing well. Um, so yeah, you got to be, you got to be very judicious what you do on this uh, offensive line. Um, running back, uh, you got to draft one, don't you? Right, because you, you, you know, obviously Pollard and Dowdle are both out there. And you know, I don't know what other people think of Pollard. And even if you brought him back, you still need, uh, you need another guy. Uh, cornerback. Is you know I think Gilmore, Gil- Gilmore wants a play. Jordan but, Lewis. Uh, Lewis is up, and then you got Trayvon and coming back from a torn ACL. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so if now if, you took care of uh, in the at safety, you took care of Malik Hooker and, uh, and of course Donovan Wilson last year. Right. So they're under contract and um, curse is up. Curse is up. So, yeah, cornerback uh, position. You can't just assume Trayvon comes back as the same Trayvon right right off the bat. By 100%. the way, uh, now you got Bland, then that's good. Uh, you know, I think Gilmore said that he wants to play another year, but he's got to have shoulder surgery. Um, and you bring it back to linebackers, uh, Van right. Der Esch, obviously with his injury situation, and uh, you got Clark coming back. You got Overshone coming off an ACL coming back. And, and that's going to take Bell. that. That'll take development for Overshone as well, because mm-hmm. you know he's just he hasn't done anything. Right. So it's it's going to take a lot of development time for him. Got a lot of needs coming up here. It's it's always amazing to me that you get in the playoffs and whatever kind of wart you covered up during the regular season gets exposed in the playoffs because mm-hmm. now you're playing the best teams in the league, mm-hmm. uh, and. It happened. It happened. And here we are, right? How'd we do in our picks last week? I know we missed one game. <laughs> How about the you rest know, of the league? Yeah. Uh, our I, picks? I, I, got, I know I got the Saturday games right, Houston and Kansas City. And I think we all, I think we were split on Houston and Cleveland. I, p- I picked Houston. I picked Houston I also. Think I picked Cleveland. Okay. I picked Houston. I picked. The Steelers, so yeah, that didn't that's work right. out for me. Yeah. And, um, and then uh, who else? I, th- I can't sure remember I if picked I picked Buffalo. the Rams or the Lions. I may. Have I picked, picked the Rams. Rams. I may have picked the Rams. I think I did too. And then, um, well, of course, we all in unison picked uh, Tampa Bay over Philly. Yeah, yeah we did. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we did. Uh, <laughs> and Everson missed them all, by the way, yeah. since he's not All right, so as we close so. it out, who's winning this weekend? You got uh, the first game on Saturday is Houston at Baltimore. Baltimore. I, I, I like I Baltimore. Baltimore. I really like C.J. Stroud, but Baltimore's yes. going to win that game, yes. in my opinion. Uh, the, Buffalo. The, the other AFC game is Kansas City at Buffalo. 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 I'll go Buffalo. So you got a Buffalo at Baltimore AFC championship game. Which we will be, we'll reconvene we can next week, that. so we'll talk about that. <laughs> NFC, Green Bay at San Francisco on Saturday night. 
Are you going to pull the trigger on it? San Francisco. San Francisco. Yeah, I'm going to San Francisco. And uh, the other game is now Tampa Bay at Detroit. 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 So we got a San Francisco-Detroit, or Detroit at San Francisco NFC Championship game. How about cooler heads prevailing, not trying to play that damn game in Buffalo the day before? Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and it took the governor probably to say, no, we're, we're not doing that, right? Because she didn't want all her first responders and police, as she said, taking care of 70,000 people trying to get into a that would stadium. That yeah. right? That would, There's that, no way. That was one case with the with what was going on yeah. um, on Sunday that could not have been played. So would you have gone over there with a snow shovel for uh, no. $20, $20 an hour? I'd have done it. I, I, there's some, absolutely. There's some people that are going to go out there. And I wouldn't do go it, in my you know? driveway. <laughs> <laughs> That's what zoom is for. I told somebody, I said, I used to, I used to get $2 an hour to shovel driveways. <laughs> No. The problem was the report time. What time you had to show up? Yeah. What time was that? Midnight. Because the, they start wanted shoveling. you to, yeah, yeah, to yeah, do it all yeah. through report the night. At midnight to shovel through the night. So basically, you're working the overnight shift at the uh, stadium with the lights on. I, I, I'd have got there at seven in the morning, but not at midnight. People yeah. would do it just to say that they did it. Yeah. I got I got to the be a part of that. Experience of it. Yeah. yeah absolutely. Yeah. I do think it was funny that the, the little ad they put out. It says, "In the morning, we'll give you a free hot breakfast in a warm area." <laughs> <laughs> in a warm area. <laughs> like, like there's a warm area anywhere in yeah. Buffalo. Yeah. But they did a pretty good job. Yep, they did. Really? They uh, they cleared the walkways. They cleared the field. Well, well the, I mean, come on, the field. I'm talking about the stands that they were really the, there for. Hey, the, the the touchdowns though, when the fans were throwing up right. the snow, that was yeah. that was cool. That yeah. was pretty cool. I did think it was funny that your ticket doesn't Fun mean atmosphere. where you sit, right? It was like it was open seating. Did you know that? Oh no, I didn't. There's no way you could find. I kept. I kept hearing. No, I kept hearing that. It was open seating. So if you get in the stadium, it's general admission. So wherever you can find a seat, sit down. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Except sit down on the snow. Except for that second level where the heaters are. Yeah. Where the you notice that? Yeah. That's the best seat in the house. Yeah. Well, that's why they're got suites behind Uh them. All right. Well, that does it for uh, mixed shots for this season. And we turn our attention to 2024 next week on the next edition of Mix Shots. Go Cowboys. <laughs> this has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? Yeah!